The following audio is from Pathway Community Church. More information about Pathway Community Church is available at www.pathwaycommunity-church.org. What are the defining marks or characteristics of Americans? Right? If you think about American people as a group, what are the characteristics that define us? Well, the University of Michigan published a book not too long ago called An Immigrant's Guide to Living in the United States. And the point of the book was to help immigrants understand Americans. And so they came up with 101 characteristics that define Americans, right? So here are some of them that that I found interesting. Uh, See if you can recognize some of these in us as Americans, right? First, they say Americans are extremely independent individuals who like to be different from each other. Okay. Many Americans, especially teenagers, they say wear strange clothes and have body piercings and tattoos. Now, these are for people outside of America trying to help them understand us Americans, right? Here's another one. Asking how are you is simply a greeting, not a question about how you're doing medically. For Americans, time is money. So don't be late to an appointment. Don't be late to a class. Don't be late for an interview. And don't be late to your wedding. It's normal for American children to have messy rooms. Okay? Hey, Jake, that's not an excuse, all right? Um, Some Americans hug a lot, and it's even okay for men to hug women, although not during COVID, right? And then uh, lastly, Americans, they say, love their pets. Sometimes they even love their pets more than they love people. It's true. Well, these are just some of the characteristics of Americans that they found. This morning, what I want us to look at is what are the defining characteristics of Christians? of citizens of heaven. That's what we've been looking at. We're in a series called Citizens of Heaven, Residents of America. And this morning we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open there to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21. And we're going to see in this passage two of the defining characteristics of Christians. This is not the exhaustive list, but these are two characteristics that we see in this passage that should mark us, that should define us as citizens of heaven. Heaven and not uh, citizens of heaven's residents of America. So, Second Corinthians, uh, Paul is the author, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth. When you think of Corinth, you should think of conflict, because the Corinthians had a lot of conflict in their church, and the Corinthian Christians were very impressed with externals with how things looked, and, and, and they loved eloquent speakers and preachers and people that could just communicate and entertain them. And, and they didn't think you'd have to, you should have to suffer much and uh, that if you're a Christian that everything should be great and that you should have no problems. And, and then along comes the Apostle Paul. And Paul was not such an impressive speaker. He wasn't super eloquent. I mean, yes, he could communicate, and yes, he was smart, but, but, but he spoke, when he spoke, he was a bit awkward, and, and he came across weak sometimes. And Paul suffered a lot. And they're like, listen, you're an apostle. You shouldn't be suffering. That shouldn't be part of your life. And, and they didn't really think he was, a, they didn't listen to what he said. They didn't think he was a real apostle. And so he writes 2 Corinthians in response to these accusations, and How do you think he responds to these things? Like he attacks them or 
or ignores them? No. What he does is he responds to them with love, and he has mercy and grace. My hope and my prayer is that the Lord would, would work in our hearts and help us to be people, men and women, citizens of heaven, that respond to people when they attack us, when they hurt us, when they call us names, that we'd respond with mercy and grace and love. And so let me read 2 Corinthians verses chapter 5, verse 16 to 21, and just invite you to follow along with me if you would. Uh, starting in verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are now ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. So in this passage, there are two defining characteristics of citizens of heaven. Those who who belong to Jesus, who are part of the kingdom of God. That's what a citizen of heaven is. And so let's look at these two characteristics. First characteristic we see is this. As citizens of heaven, we don't view people from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual one. Right? See, Paul's been talking about the gospel in 2 Corinthians 5. And right before this passage, he's talking about it. And so the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the way that he's dealt with our sins by extending grace to us and when we put our faith in him, he's like, we're changed. And so he's like, therefore, from now on, therefore, he says, we regard no one, who? No one from a worldly or fleshly perspective. Let's stop there. Four implications of what this means for us. First of all, we don't view people, if you're a citizen of heaven, you've been changed by the gospel, you don't view people based on external appearances. The world we live in is image conscious. Did you know that? Did you know image is everything in our world? I mean, look at, look at all of our social media. It's image-driven. It's image, 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 external appearance, what you see. That's what we judge by. That's what we evaluate each other by. What clothes you wear, what kind of house you have, how big your house is, how good-looking you are or not. Did you know that you can have surgery to look better? Don't do it. Even to lose weight, you can have surgery. And as a result, the world we live in makes judgments about the appearance of others and we evaluate others based upon how they look or don't look. Maybe you knew this already. 
This is the world we live in. But as citizens of heaven, we don't view people that way. As citizens of heaven, we don't look at people and judge them based upon how they look or the color of their skin or, or, or how much they make or don't make or how good looking they are or not. That's not how we view people. All right, second one, second implication of this. As citizens of heaven, we don't view people based on worldly standards. The world has a set of standards. Success. In the world means you have money, you have power, you have prestige, you've achieved, you've you've gained status. You know, a bigger house means you're better than the other person. You know, more money in your bank account means you've you've achieved more and you've accomplished more. And and we equate value with that in our world. The more educated you are, the smarter you are, the more degrees you have behind your name, those things matter in our world But as citizens of heaven, we don't evaluate and see people based upon worldly standards. Here's the third one. We don't view people based upon human reason. As citizens of heaven, we don't do that. Now, I'm not saying we don't use our minds. I'm not saying we don't use our intellect. That's not what I'm talking about. But human reason is based solely on our senses and our emotions. That's human reason. I feel this way, so it must be true. And you can't change it because that's how I feel. That's human reasoning. I've been hearing this phrase a lot. Maybe you've heard it recently. It says, I've heard it on ESPN even, uh, David Kaplan, I think at 9 o'clock. He says it all the time. It really starts to bug me. And I'm like, I don't don't like this phrase. He, He says this. He says, you do you and I'll do me. Have you heard this phrase? This is a big phrase that people are throwing around. And at first it sounds like, wow, that that makes a lot of sense. Like, wow, we should, yeah, okay, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. You don't judge me. I won't judge you. But, But you know what? That really is a dangerous way to live. Because really it leads to just... Anything goes and, and, and an, an immoral life. And it's like not everything is okay. But that's human reason. So we don't evaluate and judge others as citizens of heaven based on human reason. Here's the last one, number four. We don't view people based on self-interest. See, worldly perspective sees other people as, hey, how can you benefit me? Like, what's in it for me? How can what you do benefit me? And if you can benefit me, then I'm going to get involved with you. But if you can't benefit me, then I'm not going to be partnership with you. In fact, we do this in marriages, right? People get married. Hey, how can this, what's in it for me? How can this benefit me? And guess what? After a period of time, you realize, wow, this person is hard to live with, and they're not always benefiting me. And so that's why we have so much divorce or cohabitation. People are like, hey, we're not even going to get married. As citizens of heaven, we don't view people based on self-interest. Listen, if you belong to the kingdom of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a citizen of heaven, then we no longer see people from a worldly perspective. Instead, we view all people from a spiritual perspective. That's what Paul's saying. It's like we're created in the image of God. All humans are created in God's image. Every human being on the planet of earth has been created by God in his image. But as human beings, we've rebelled against God. And the the word for that is sin. And so we have a broken relationship with God. And every one of us is in desperate need of his saving grace. 
And that's how we view people. We have compassion for people that don't know God because they need His grace. Because we once were people in need of His grace. And if we know Him, if we have a relationship with Him, if we've been reconciled to Him, then we're like we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we treat each other with grace because we're still sinners in need of His grace. A couple weeks ago I had lunch with David Nelms. Uh, some of you may remember his name. Uh, as he's the president of the Timothy Initiative. And uh, a number of years ago, our church, uh, it was amazing, I went to Nepal and, and saw the need for more churches there. And so our church raised $33,000 to plant 100 churches in Nepal. So we today have churches in Nepal pathway that we had a part in that God used us to help plant. So he came and he met with me for lunch and he's like, hey, I want to tell you about some new things we're doing. And, and so he explained that they had, the Timothy Initiative has have mapped out in Nepal and in India, they, they've mapped every single village in Nepal and India. But not only that, then they've said, okay, what we want to do is find out, are there any Christians in any of these villages and are there any churches in any of these villages? And here's what they found, that there are 350,000 villages. I mean, think about this. 350,000 villages. Not just, that's not how many there are. There's more villages than that in India and Nepal. But 350,000 villages without a church in them. Groups of people in communities living together that have no access to the gospel and to the church. And so the Timothy Initiative, they're like, here's, here's what we're trying to do. Like, we want to see a church in every village over the next four years. Like, we want to see churches established where there is no church in India so people can hear the good news about Jesus and come to know his saving grace. That's 1.3 billion people that have no access to the gospel. He's like, will your church consider this? Will you pray as a church about maybe planting 100 churches in 100 villages? It costs us about $33,000 to do this. Yeah, I know it's a stretch. And yeah, I know we're you know, in, a, in a tough time. But it's like, man, we got to pray about this. We got to pray about this as a church. But here's the thing that struck me the most. The first thing he said when we sat down for lunch, he said, Today, Kurt, there are hundreds of thousands of men and women and children that are going to die and go to hell unless they hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's why I want to talk to you today. See, that's having a spiritual perspective. That's not having a worldly perspective. That's not looking at people externally and not getting caught up in human wisdom and, and, and worldly standards. That's saying, you know what? Spiritually, people are dying apart from Jesus Christ and spending eternity in hell. And that's not super popular to say today. But that's the truth. And the only solution is Jesus Christ. 
And he's the only way that anyone can be saved and reconciled. And so, so it's like we don't view people, we don't go around viewing people from worldly standards. We view people with spiritual eyes. Today, hundreds of thousands of people will die and spend eternity in hell unless they hear about Jesus. That means Buddhists. That means Hindus. That means Muslims. That means Jews. That means atheists. Anybody that doesn't know and love Jesus will spend an eternity apart from God. David Nelms used to view people from a worldly perspective, but he doesn't anymore. He sees with spiritual eyes. So what about you? How do you view people? The Apostle Paul, he used to view Jesus like this. The Apostle Paul used to view Jesus from a worldly perspective. Did you know that? Jesus, Jesus is just a poor man. He's just a homeless beggar. He's just a fraud. Jesus, he went around telling people like, you follow me and you have eternal life. And, and he was like this messianic fraud. And he, he was a heretic and, and he got killed for it and he deserved it. That's how Paul saw Jesus. That's how many people today see Jesus. But guess what? Guess what? Something happened. Something happened that changed his perspective. Something happened that transformed his eyesight. So that he saw people not from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual one. You say, hey, Kurt, what happened? What happened? Can you ask me that? What happened? You know, I'd love to tell you. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. The old way of living, the old you, the, the, the sinful nature, the old person, the old man is gone, and the new has come. Like, this is the good news. Hey, I have a confession to make. Yeah, lean in. Now you're back, right? You, I got to hear this. When I was a young adult, even after I got married for a few years, before I had kids, I used to have a bad attitude towards parents. Not all parents, but just the parents that had problems controlling their kids' behavior. Right? So you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You go into a grocery store. You're going down the aisles, you hear this kid screaming and yelling and throwing a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store, and he's in the cereal aisle with his mom, and he wants his cereal. It's like, I got to have this cereal, and he's screaming because he can't get it, and the mom's just standing there and doesn't know what to do, and is helpless, and I'm like, get a grip on your kid. Like, what's your problem? Like, man, when, when I have kids, I'm not going to be like that. When I have kids, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, what is your deal? And then you know what? My perspective changed. You know what happened to change my perspective? What do you think happened? I became a parent. And I realized, you know, I can't control my kids. I can do the best to raise them. I can try to teach them, instruct them. But my perspective changed when I became a parent. Becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ changes your perspective on how you see people. 
When you become part of the kingdom of God, when you become a citizen of heaven, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you now stop seeing people from a human perspective, from a worldly perspective, and you start to see through spiritual eyes, and you start to see the true condition and the reality that we're sinners in need of His grace, and you start to see people differently through the transformation that happens Jesus Christ. You don't see people as Republicans and Democrats. You don't see people as black and white. Not saying that doesn't matter, but that's not your primary way you see people. You don't see people as rich and poor. Instead, we see people as sinners in desperate need of the grace of Jesus Christ. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. And so instead of viewing people as some are better than me or some are not as good as me, or you know, we view people with compassion. We view people with compassion because we too are sinners in need of grace. And what's more, we see those who are in Christ, those who have, who have found reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ, we see them as brothers and sisters in Jesus. And even though we still struggle with sin, we still extend grace to them and we have patience with them because we too are in need of that saving grace. There's another reason, though, Paul gives for his change in perspective. And the reason that we no longer view people from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual one, is because anyone, hear me on this, anyone can be made new through faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone can be made new through faith in Jesus Christ. God can reconcile anyone to himself. What did God do to make it possible for anyone to have a new perspective and to become a new creation and to be done with the old way? What what did he do? Well, look at verse 18. He says this, all this is from God. What he's just said, all this, this new creation, old gone, new has come. All this is from God. Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's that? Well, that is Christ's God who's reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Listen, reconciliation that's being talked about in this passage is the restoration of a relationship with God that's been broken or severed. Do you know that when you say hurtful things to other people, do you know that when you do things to hurt other people that it causes separation and division in your relationship? Did did you know that? And that you need to be reconciled? That's why in our family we try to practice, you know, when I say or hurt someone in my family with something I say or do or, or they do that to me, it's like, you know what, you got to own that. You got to go, say, hey, listen, I said something to hurt you. I did something to hurt you. And, and, and when I did that, that was wrong. And will you forgive me? And you know what? When we do that, guess what? They say, yes, I forgive you. And, and then guess what happens? We're reconciled again. But until that happens, there's not reconciliation. What this passage says is that because of our sins against God and against other people, we are separated from God. When we sin, when we, when, when we sin against God, when we break his commandments, when we don't obey his law, we sin against the holy God and, and we cause division. There's separation there. 
But you know what God did? God sent His only Son, Jesus, into the world to, to live the life we could never live, but then to go to the cross to die in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And He says this, When you trust in Me for the forgiveness of your sins, you have reconciliation with God. Like, oh my goodness, that's good news. No matter how bad your sins are, no matter what you've done, God can forgive you and bring reconciliation between you and God. That's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to David Nelms. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to Kanye West. That's what happened to many of you in this room. Like, it can happen. God still is in the business of transforming us and making new creations out of us. But here's the thing, this is what's so amazing. You know, not only does it give us this new perspective to see people with spiritual eyes, but guess what else he does? He, it says here, he, he reconciles us to make us ministers of reconciliation. Oh my goodness! That's the second thing that makes us distinct as a characteristic of citizens of heaven is we have a new calling. In this passage, he says, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That that if you've been reconciled to God, that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ today, that God looks at you and sees you as someone who sees people with new eyes spiritually and is now you are called an ambassador. You represent Jesus. Right now I'm reading a book called In the Garden of Beasts. It's about Hitler's Germany in 1933. And it looks at the life of an ambassador, William Dodd. So Franklin Roosevelt came to William Dodd. They needed a new ambassador in Germany and said, will you do this? And so he's like, okay, I'll do it. And so William Dodd goes over to Germany in 1933 when Hitler is rising to power. And it just looks at that one year of, of life, 1933 in Germany, and how Hitler does things that start to affect the culture that people are like not even paying attention to, that's setting the table for him to dominate and to basically create horrendous acts. But William Dodd is an ambassador of the United States to Germany at that time. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative of their country in a foreign land. William Dodd is an ambassador of the United States in Germany. You know what we are as Christians? This is why we're in this series this summer. Hey, in case you're wondering, like, why are we spending a summer in this series called Citizens of Heaven, Residents of America? Okay, I get it. Let's go. Let's move on. It's because we don't belong to America. That's not our home. Our home is with Jesus. We're part of the kingdom of God. Yes, we live in this world, and we're going to be here until he comes again and reestablishes his kingdom, new kingdom once and for all. But guess what? We are first and foremost citizens of heaven. But as citizens of heaven, guess what? God's reconciled us to himself, and then he sent us as ambassadors into the places that we live to be ambassadors for him to help other people be reconciled to God. Check it out. If you've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you are now a minister of reconciliation in America. 
That's what we're about. Now, a few specifics about this calling to be an ambassador for Christ. First of all, God's kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus. And he's not claiming a world that's not his. Right? God created this. Jesus created this world. He created us as human beings in this world. And yet the world is broken and fallen and he just didn't abandon us. He's like, no, I'm going to come and I'm going to claim my kingdom back. And I'm going to reconcile this world back to myself and I'm going to make all things new. And so he's like, and here's how I'm going to do it. Because he can do it in any way he wants because he's God. He's like, listen, I know. I'm going to take the people that have sinned against me and hurt me and and betrayed me and turned against me. I'm going to come to them and I'm going to die in their place and forgive their sins. And when they receive my grace, I'm going to make them now ambassadors of reconciliation so they can now go all over this planet that I've created to win back my people so that we can have a new kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. Man, I miss preaching. He's making his appeal to the world through you and me. What's the message that we're to to declare? Look at verse 20. It's pretty simple. Be reconciled to God. Can I just say... Our world, our country is divided right now. We know that, right? We're divided over a number of things. And you can look at the division in our world through human eyes from a worldly perspective and you can say, hey, here's the problem. No, here's the problem. No, here's the problem. No, here's the problem. No, here's the problem. Or you can look at it through spiritual eyes and say, wait, we know the problem. And the first and foremost problem that we're dealing with is that we have people in our world that are dying apart from Jesus and going to hell. And and they have a worldly perspective and what they desperately need is to know Jesus Christ. And so we call and appeal to people to be reconciled to God. Now, two things about that statement that I want you to notice. First of all, the verb is passive. We as humans are not the ones who reconcile people to God. You and I do not make people reconciled to God. Like if that's how you've been thinking about it, like stop thinking so highly of yourself. We don't do that. We can't do that. God does it. God's the one that reconciles us through Jesus Christ. All we do is we accept what he's already accomplished. We receive what what he's already done. And the second is this, is that you and I cannot... Reconcile to God no more than we can reconcile, us, reconcile ourselves to God. God is the one who does it. Our role is simply to declare that message. Our job is to tell people, listen, here's how you find peace with God and peace with others in your life. You trust in Jesus Christ. But notice this. this you're going to love this last part. This is amazing, right? Verse 21 God reconciles us to transform us into the very righteousness of God. God wants you to be righteous. Look at verse 21. He who knew no sin became 
sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus never sinned. He's God. He comes in the flesh. He lives on this earth as God, tempted in every way, but without sin. And then he says, I'm going to die on your behalf. And he dies for us and he rises again. And he says, if you trusted me by faith, your sins will be forgiven. That's good news. But guess what? That's the only part of the good news. The other part is that he is going to, now we're going to get really big word here, warning, big word coming, okay? And the word is imputed. Say imputed. I heard you at home. That means by faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, his sins go, our sins go on Jesus and his righteousness is applied to us. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you as a failed sinner who's turned their back against God. He sees you as a son and daughter of the king who is completely and perfectly righteous because of Jesus. You're righteous. And then he calls us to live this out. Like go and live a righteous life. Go and live out who you are now in Christ as righteous. And so you say, how do we be ambassadors? Well, there's two ways. We show and we tell, right? We show and we tell. If we've been made righteous through the reconciliation of Jesus, we now show that by the way we live our lives. Wow, why, why is your marriage so different? Why are, you act, you know, why are you having peace in the midst of COVID? Why are you able to trust God when you're in the midst of suffering? Not that it doesn't hurt or it's not hard, but how can you do that? Well, it's because Christ in me is the hope of glory. So we show by our lifestyle a different way of living. But listen, that's not enough. We got to do more. We got to also tell it. We can't just show it. We got to tell it. And so we declare with words. The picture is of a herald who's going through a village after the village has won a battle. And he's saying, we've won the victory. We've won the victory. And he's announcing the good news. And the good news is you can be reconciled to God through Jesus. I have to believe, listen, I have to believe today that there are some who are here who are watching online that have not found peace with God. There are some who say, you know, my sin is too great. I've sinned too much. I've I've done too many things. God can't forgive me for that. You know, I'm here to tell you that God can forgive you and give you his righteousness. Be reconciled to God today. You do that by admitting your sin. You take responsibility for what you've done and you say, you know what, I own it. I've done this. And, and then you say, you know what, I, I'm sorry, I trust in Jesus. I'm trusting in his death and resurrection, what he did for me, and I receive his forgiveness and his righteousness and you receive that today. And you know what, in an instant, in a moment, God transforms you, you become a Christian, you become a citizen of heaven when you do that. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you think you're a Christian and you're not a Christian. Some of you have been living as if, okay, I'm good to go and you're not because you've never had that transaction where you admitted your sin, you confessed it to Jesus, you received his grace, and you found the new life in Christ. Don't miss this opportunity. 
God loves you. But see, here's the thing. Those of us that know Jesus and are following him, we need his grace still today. Every day we need his grace. We're still in need of his grace. My niece, Katie, she's going to be a senior in college. She's training to be a nurse. And so she has a part-time job working in a hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And she was telling us recently that she was just feeling like, you know, she wasn't so useful and she just was kind of like, you know what, my job is just, uh, it's, it's, I'm not seeing anything really coming out of it. And so anyhow, she realized that what happened is she stopped seeing her first calling to be a Christian and she started just to focus on her job as a nurse. And so she said, you know what, I just need to, to change my attitude. And she started to pray. And she said before she'd go into different rooms to see patients, she'd, she'd remember she's a Christian. And she'd pray, God, would you give me an opportunity to talk to people or to encourage people or to pray with people about you, Jesus? And you know what happened? She started to pray that, and she'd go into a room, and, and before she said a word, she'd walk into their room, and the person would say immediately, to her, not to the other people, to her, will you pray for me? I'm like, what, are you kidding me? She, doesn't, she just gets across the threshold. And so she starts to pray for them, and she can encourage them, and she realized, you know what, first and foremost, I'm a citizen of heaven and disguised as a nurse. You know, God has you right where you're at for a purpose to use you to be an ambassador for Christ, a minister of reconciliation right where you're at today. He wants to use you for that, to put his glory on display, to show and tell the good news of Jesus in your family, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace. He wants to use us to be ministers of reconciliation. Our world desperately needs this. Uh, I just have to end with this. This has been a convicting message for me. Because personally, I've not been living this out. You know, when we started Pathway, man, I was like all about this. Like that's why we started Pathway. But you know, over the years gets hard, get discouraged, don't always see fruit the way you want to see fruit. You feel like, man, the soil's just getting harder. Like it's harder to talk about Jesus today. The world doesn't want to hear about, I mean, it's like, and so, you know, just like poor me and a pity party kind of mindset. And just like, that's wrong. uh, That's sin. Because I'm called to see people with spiritual eyes and I haven't been doing that. I'm called to be an ambassador for Jesus and to tell people the message of reconciliation, and I haven't been doing that. And so you know what? My relationship with God has not been reconciled. Yes, I have peace with God through his death, but but that causes a, a breach in our relationship. And so like this week, this week I had to confess to the Lord, Lord, would you forgive me for this? He did. He does. I want to have spiritual eyesight. I want to be a pastor that's spiritual eyesight. I want to be a pastor that's an ambassador for Jesus. Not just because I do it and you guys sit and watch, but because we need to be doing this together. And so the word for us today is be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God.
if you've been seeing people from a human vantage point with, with fleshly eyes and, and, and external appearances, be reconciled to God. Confess that. Ask his forgiveness. If you've not been living as an ambassador, if you've not been telling people the good news of Jesus, if you've not been looking for opportunities and praying for opportunities, confess that to God and say, God, would you forgive me for that? I don't want to have a breach in our relationship, and he will, he will forgive you. And he'll help us to do this. And, and then the results are up to him. Because he's God and we're not. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your, your grace today. We need your forgiveness today. We never get to the point in this life where we've arrived. And yes, you see us as righteous in Jesus, but we still are working that out. And we need your help. And so today, would you, would you give us eyes to see people the way you see? Would you give us compassion to love people the way you love? Would you give us uh, lives that put on display the righteousness of Christ? Would you help us to be ambassadors that, that tell people the good news that they can be reconciled with God? Lord, would you build your church here at Pathway and in Elmhurst and across this, this state and around the world so that more and more people come to know you and are reconciled to you and, and know peace with you? Lord, would you start with us? Would you use us to do this? We need your help. We need your help. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.